and welcome back to the Some Sort of Miracle podcast. I'm Ed, and I'm joined today by Emily. Hello. By Claire. Hiya. By Paul. Hi. And for the first time on the podcast, by Major Wayne Price. Welcome Ooh. to the podcast. Yeah. Hello. It's fun. It is fantastic to be here, having been an avid uh, listener for the last 50 episodes. It's great to be here. <laughs> this is exciting for me because I feel like I, I email Wayne a lot. Whenever we do an episode that I'm like, oh, that's on the line. We said some things there that I'm not sure about. I, I send it over to Wayne and say, Wayne, can you take the fall for this if this goes wrong? And he always comes back and says yes. So um, I appreciate having him here. Uh, Wayne, oh, could I you... was going to I was going to introduce myself as uh, avid listener and uh, moderator for the podcast. Oh, yes. Yeah, it's an important role and we, we very much value it. Uh, do you want to do a bit of an introduction of who you are and what you do, Wayne? Sure. So um, as Ed's already said, my name's Major Wayne Price and I am currently the DME for Yorkshire North and Tees Division, um, which basically, in a nutshell, uh, I am there to encourage and inspire cause uh, to be as missional as possible in their local communities. Mm -hmm. So this is kind of the perfect episode to have you on to actually, um, was today we are talking about preaching and, you know, this is something that happens in churches, you know, up and down the country, all over the world. And for those that grew up in church, I'm sure they are very familiar with it. It's, um, something that we've all heard a lot of in many ways. So, they're, um, following the episode, The Generation Game, we had a conversation about preaching and the role of it and how, uh, and we kind of raised a point about perhaps the, the need for uh, the role of preaching to change. And actually the format of it perhaps doesn't work in the best way anymore. And we kind of raised all this and then we realized we didn't even agree amongst ourselves on this. We had some feedback from other people who were asking questions and it seemed to spark a lot of debate. So we thought, there we go, that's an episode in itself. Uh, so that's what we're going to do today. We are going to delve into what is the role of preaching? What, what's the point of it? And does it work? And maybe does it need to change as well? But uh, over to Emily for our icebreaker question. Thank you. So our first question for today is, can you think of one particular time where a message or a sermon has really stuck with you and why? So what are the, what are the messages that have really stuck with us? We've all been churchgoers for most of our lives. We must have heard some, uh, some good and memorable ones um, that we can recall. This is a... Quite a tricky question, I think, because like like we said, there are so many sermons that we hear, and yeah, it was it was kind of almost the thing of picking one, but then but then my mind went completely blank and I couldn't find any in there. <laughs> um, thankfully, we were at a youth conference this weekend, and someone preached really really well there. Well, quite a few people preached really really well, and there was one that really um, really did impact me, and they spoke about it by Vivian Prescott who. Um, also is an officer in the Salvation Army, and she shared a message um, on the Good Samaritan, and she kind of asked a question about uh, whether we find it hard to love the should-have-known-betters. And I, I loved that phrase, and that and I'd never thought about it from that perspective, about this guy going out onto this road that he knew he should, was a dangerous decision, and yet, and yet um, the story is that he ends up being loved and taken care of by the most unlikely of people. 
but after, yeah, I've heard I've heard a lot of people say, oh, well, they should have known better or they should have. That was silly of them to get themselves in that position or perhaps they're, they're not making wise decisions, which is why they're they're in trouble. But um, yeah, we need to love them anyway. Um, I found that quite a powerful thing. But yeah, that's just one of them. Anybody else? I'm just thinking, like, like, Ed, I'm trying to think of all these many sermons I sat through and trying to pick out some of the key points that I can remember. But actually, the one that comes to my mind is probably about, I think, 10 years ago when I was in London and went to listen to Archbishop Desmond Tutu. And he was really good, really charismatic man. But the sermon that the message that came through was talking about inclusivity and in terms of how the church is to be inclusive of people of whatever gender, whatever sexual orientation, whatever race or whatever. And actually, I think for me, at that point, maybe although kind of I heard that message, like reading between the lines, actually to hear it that explicitly was something that really encouraged me and inspired me at that point. Yeah, that was a good name drop, Claire. Thanks. I think um, I can think of a, a thought, a sermon by Francis Chan um, about selfies and about taking the limelight off of ourselves and not thinking about ourselves and what's wrong and putting, setting our mind to God and what and what's sort of what is good and godly. And, and that was the way that he took that. And that sort of inspired me in a sort of mindset change on just approaching church, really. Um so that's one that sort of sprung to mind. Yeah, I know the one you're talking about, and it's really good. It's the it's the illustration, isn't it? That's that, that stays with you. That idea of like taking your life off selfie mode. Yeah, yeah. I remember that really well as well. I think for me, um, the one that really stuck with me. I don't know whether any of you guys have, or any of our listeners have heard of a, a guy called Louis Giglio. You have to be very careful how you say his name. Um, because it, it it can sound very very dodgy, but yeah, Louis Gigolo, amazing communicator, um, was a scientist, and and uh, his explanation of the world and and where we are on the world, he, he basically used a golf ball and took a sharpie pen and said, if you imagine that this is the Earth, and you and you, he just literally dabs it with a with a sharpie and he said that that's not you you're you're even more insignificant than 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 just the dot on the earth in comparison to the magnitude of the of the galaxy that that the earth inhabits uh, and but then saying that actually even in that insignificant that you can't even you can't even dab it to to represent you on the earth and yet god knows us so it was just for me, it was just the way he communicated it, but also just realizing the magnitude of God and, and my insignificance in comparison to the rest of the earth and the rest of the galaxy. And yet, and yet God knows me as an individual. And that re- really stuck and, and has stayed with me. I did wonder for a minute there, Wayne, if we were going to have to um, moderate you in the, in the pronunciation <laughs> of Louis <Giglio's> name. <laughs> <laughs> I, I i have i have got it wrong once um unfortunately somebody pointed it out to me before it went too badly wrong and so the moderator becomes the moderated but <laughs> um, well mine actually is um 
is that I remember at the student church that I used to um, be a part of at university was um, a leader called Miriam Swaffield, who did a really, really good sermon on the parable of the sower. And she entered the room from the back of the room, scattering seed and throwing seed all over the people that were seated. And just like saying over and over again, keep sowing, keep sowing, keep sowing. And that was the, the, the point of her whole message. But the fact that she did it with this illustration of actually scattering seed and the idea that, you know, the point was that we must keep to keep scattering the seed of the news of the, the good news of Jesus. And that stuck with me really, really, you know, it stayed with me for years and, um, yeah, and, and a couple of other illustrations from actually from being a teenager, which is interesting because I probably don't remember what scripture they were referring to, but I remember the illustrations well as well. So that that's just quite interesting. Yeah, again, I think, Emily, it's, it's that bit about sometimes that there can be real power in how we use an illustration and people to to get that that understanding, because actually if we if we look at Jesus in his in his preaching, he used everyday objects. He used objects in his preaching to to get his point over. There are some great illustrations as well. I, thinking about it now, we could have just shared some the craziest illustrations we've seen. But I remember Mike Hyten, um, who was the divisional leader at Yorkshire for a while. He always had some really good illustrations. And once he, he had this long piece of string and he had to put a straw on it and sellotaped a balloon to it that he hadn't tied the end off. And he um, just got it to zip along this string and tr and got basically the length of the room and um, just by yeah filling up the balloon with air and then letting it go. And he was talking about uh, being filled with the Holy Spirit. And then, he, um, yeah, and I don't really remember everything he said in terms of the scripture or um, like the, the deeper points of his message. But I'll, yeah, I definitely remember that um, illustration. Okay, so our next question is, what's the point of a sermon? Um, it's quite a big question, I'll admit. I'm going to start with um, my role in the podcast, which is to Google things. Um, I'm going to give you a definition of a sermon. Um, so Google says, a sermon is an oration or lecture by a preacher or a clergy. Sermons address a spiritual, theological or moral topic, usually expounding on a type of belief, law or behaviour. Oh, it sounds boring from Google. Yeah, it does. <laughs> I'm just wondering if I ever actually do a sermon then. <laughs> How would you define your sermons, Claire? Well, I was thinking about this. And in terms of why, see, in terms of what's the point, I do a sermon kind of because that is what would be expected to be included within a church service, which I guess is kind of what we're discussing today. Yeah. But for me, it's very much... Mine aren't necessarily, they are based on the Bible, don't get me wrong, but they're not um, particularly, ex they, don't, they, they look at kind of themes within the Bible and in terms of inspiring people to learn more about God or kind of on their journey walking with Jesus. But for me, um, in terms of doing illustrations and in terms of engaging with people is more, not more important, but that's kind of how I do it rather than particularly looking deeply within the biblical text whether that's right or wrong is yeah it's just the way I kind of do it at the moment it raises an interesting distinction I guess between the difference between preaching and teaching 
because I think there is a difference. And yeah, if if teaching is in it is about helping us to know more and and to acquire more knowledge and be challenged on ideas, I'm not saying that they they don't overlap at all. But is preaching more? Can you describe it as as, as simply as just pointing people towards Jesus? Is that is that enough? Or I like I that. you think preaching <laughs> is a type of teaching? Oh, I don't know. I think it has a, a different role as well. It does. There is teaching within preaching, and there is teaching that isn't preaching, and there's preaching that isn't teaching. I think I've made. I'm glad we've clarified that. <laughs> That's. You know, it's really interesting because I think now in terms of what in my own kind of preaching and actually I probably rarely teach people new things actually it's kind of looking at things perhaps in a slightly different way or in terms of how to apply what they already know to their life as it is and to my life as well because I recognize that a lot of what I say is to myself I think as well for me it depends depends who's receiving it as well Mm. And and actually and actually what what they're necessarily looking for themselves. So and I think a lot of that is down to generations as well. So you will have the older generation who have been used to being told um, what to believe, what to do, when to do it. Yeah. But, but now we have generations, and and I would I would include myself in that. I appreciate I'm the oldest person by a. A good way on the call. I mean, like a really good way. <laughs> um, but but yeah, I spoke to I spoke to the youth band on Friday night about this, and actually they they're encouraged to ask the why questions, whereas we weren't. But I've learned to do that over a period of time. Mm. But but yeah, so so there's that there's the whole thing of. Yeah, informing people and giving people an understanding, but not necessarily giving them all the answers because and allowing them to work it out for themselves. So I think a good a good preacher, uh, and for that point, you know, the the point of a sermon is to to give people enough, but then to allow them to to take it away and mull it over for themselves. Mm. I think that's put it really, really well, actually, because um, definitely I think there's been a shift from how an older generation would receive like instructional teaching and how a person of our age would receive that. Because now we're in this like, you know, we're in this digital age where actually we can see so many other perspectives. We're much less likely to just take someone's um, preach as authority Whereas it used to be considered, didn't it, that clergy or people that were priests or people in those spiritual leaderships almost had um, the authority on the Bible. And um, despite that, obviously, it says that we're a priesthood of all believers. So I think that I think that there's definitely been a, a generational shift. I wonder as well if teaching and preaching are slightly different in the respect that a teacher looks at things at all angles and tries to get the the listener to engage critically and do the thinking for themselves. Whereas I would associate preaching more with here's the point I'm giving you and I'm going to drive the point home. Does that make sense? Mm. 
That's that's really interesting um, because in a way that frames preaching in a way that isn't like a, it's not a conversation starter or doesn't invite response and doesn't invite debate. Um, and I guess for, in, in most church contexts, that's very true of preaching, isn't it? That it's kind of, it's a, a 20 minute or 10 minute, depending how lucky you are, broadcast of information from the stage on a Sunday morning. Mm. Um, that's, I get being in the context that I'm in, um, it's, it's very tricky at the moment to get to a stage where you can have a, a even a 10 minute um, preach because it's interrupted <laughs> uh, because people can't sit for 10 minutes um, without asking questions, without um, getting up and making a cup of tea and um, all, all that sort of thing, because it's just, it's not very normal actually uh, outside of church circles to do that and to be comfortable just sat um, listening to someone speak at you for 10 minutes. But yeah, I, I, I I kind of say this also recognizing the importance of allowing someone time to actually delve into something and provide a meaningful uh, message. So I, I don't know. I'm conflicted on it all. <laughs> I read um, an article of sort of describing t- uh, different styles of preaching as monologue versus dialogue. Um, with monologue being sort of how we were describing preaching of being sort of a one way, this is my point, this is my thought on it, and that's the end of the topic. And dialogue being a, this is my point, what do you think about this? Or this is my point, now go away and take it further than that. Uh, which I thought was quite a useful way of sort of putting that into a, yeah, dialogue versus monologue was quite a useful sort of phrase. Mm. Um, they kind of posed a few issues with both points, which I think is quite interesting. I think my point of view is I'm not a big fan of sermons that are preached as worth calling it in the monologue where we're given a point to take away and that's, and that's finished. Um, but um, I guess for a, for a, well, I might be moving into the next question, spoiler alert. <laughs> um, but there are sort of pros and cons to both. I think. I, I think, um, one of the other things that I heard, and, and I'm not sure whether it answers this question or not, but what, what's the point of a sermon? And and somebody described it to me as uh, dressing Dolly in different clothes. So the message ultimately is the same, but actually we we just we we bring it to people in different ways. Yeah, I like that. I'm well, thinking about the way that Jesus teaches. Because uh, I was just thinking about this today, um, is that he he just tells stories where the listeners have to do the learning for themselves, and he never tells them you should be this character or you shouldn't be this character. You know, whereas we look to the Bible to try and pull out moral teaching, don't we? Because it's so ingrained in us to go oh the message of the story here for example is that we shouldn't be like the prodigal son but Jesus never actually even ever says that he just tells the story and lets the listener make their own association with what's being said Mm. I just think that's so clever it's very hard for us to do that (laughs) because we're not Jesus (laughs) and we're and we're conditioned by the world aren't we to try and pull out the the moral teaching um but yeah, I think that that for me, like 
I suppose the point of a sermon for me is always to point to the person of Christ and uh, to reveal in the listener like their identity in light of the good news of the gospel. Yeah, I find that a really challenging thing about the way Jesus preaches because he even kind of goes as far as saying, and I was trying to find it, but I can't find the exact verse. Someone else might know. But he goes as far as saying that some will not understand these teachings. <laughs> um, and and he seems okay with that, which oh, just uh, it feels really weird, doesn't it? Um, or, um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's interesting thinking about the whole sitting down listening to a preacher and we all know some people you can be bored within one minute of them saying something and other people they can talk for an hour and actually because they can engage you with it you will engage with that message so is it perhaps the the delivery of the sermon perhaps rather than what a sermon is that presents the barriers or presents the the teaching within that and in terms of how we come to because we're talking about that do do sermons work? What difference do they actually make? Do they make any difference whatsoever? And if so, what is that reliant on? Ooh. I think that's a really good point. I think, you know, if a, if a, it doesn't matter what it is, really, if a sermon isn't engaging, but if anything that is being said isn't engaging, people aren't going to engage with it. That sounds really simple, but I think sometimes we forget that, that regardless of the, the point in the background, if the material isn't, you know, isn't engaging for people. It's not entertaining. I'm not sure if I want to use that word, but I think it's the right word in this context. If it's not going to get people listening and get people thinking, there is no point at all, is there? There's so many nuances to that as well, though, isn't there? Because sometimes, like, we prefer to listen to somebody that has an accent because it's different. Sometimes, you know, when I think of um, my work colleague who... I would say is a really, really gifted speaker. I'm very aware that the reason I think that is because I can see the content of that person's character as well. And so when I see the content of someone's character, I'm more inclined to anticipate what they have to say. Um, and so I do think we, we make those judgments as well, don't we? Of, oh, you know, I, sit, I know this person is trusted and I see the way that this person lives out the gospel and therefore I want to come and hear what they have to say about it. Yeah, that's, that's interesting you should say that, Emily, because I think one of, one of my biggest challenges over the last um, almost six years now of being away from core is, is I'm effectively, I don't, I don't preach every Sunday, but but when I do preach, I'm, I'm effectively specialing. For those of people who are listening, don't understand that word. It's when you just basically pitch up to a church that you don't belong to and lead a meeting uh, and because then no one really knows you. So they don't, they don't have that benefit that you have with your work colleague of understanding who he is and how he lives his life. So that's very relatable for you. Whereas when I speak, it's not relatable it's for the congregation, they can't then relate that to my life because they, they don't really know that they, they might know of me, but haven't haven't sort of, you know, been alongside me to see how my life reflects in what I say. It's interesting that 
Would you say that then uh, when you're preaching in a call that you just rock up for one Sunday, is that really different to preaching in a call that you are there long term then? Would you prep differently? Would you would your objective be different or yeah, how, how do you, how would you approach that? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, yeah. So when when I was church leader, you you're journeying with people, so you 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 are taking them on a journey. You understand because you understand some of their lives from pastoral visits and stuff like that. Not that you ever preach to any one person, but you understand some of the bigger themes in the church mm. that you can then hopefully speak into. Whereas whereas when I go and and just turn up as you say, Ed, rock up for one Sunday, then then it tends to be more um, more of a direct message on, on what I'm about. So I would generally speak about mission or at the moment, my, my um, the, the one I'm using at the moment or the thoughts I'm using at the moment are men of Issachar and, and understanding the times and understanding the times that we live in and how things have changed, particularly in light of COVID. So that that tends to be the way that I, I the angle I come from anyway. I think one of the one of the big challenges with um so we're asking do sermons work, but do sermons work for everyone? And how do you make a sermon work for everyone? Um, because we live in such a diverse world, and you know we've touched on this in the generation game that so many different learning styles across so many different generations are so difficult. Um, this. Again, I might just be asking a random question in the middle of this, but do you think there is a way to make a sermon work for everyone? I think where I think I'm going to oversimplify it here, and probably someone can step in and disagree with me, but I think really it's about letting the text just sing for itself in the respect that, like, the encounters that people have with Jesus, particularly are so rich with different angles and different facets, that you, different directions that you could take it in, that for me, a good sermon will be clear enough to someone that's never heard the gospel before, what the message is or who Jesus is. But then for people that, have, that you know, have been in church for a long, long time, they can go like deeper and deeper. It's just, I just think like the Bible is so rich with, different layers to it that all we really have to do is like present the story and let it sing and that sounds like a really <laughs> really obvious and easy way of doing it I'm going to embarrass Wayne now but a great example was just this Sunday the illustration of um we had this illustration of where's Wally and the story was about Zacchaeus going up the tree and you know going to seek Jesus and um the where's Wally bit on the surface, you would think that that's a spot for children, but actually it wasn't. It was it was an illustration that means that some adults may only remember the fact that God sees them wherever they are in the crowd. And that is the message which is true of the story of Zacchaeus. But then the scripture was unpacked again and there were multiple layers to that. Does that make sense? And so for the person that, is maybe more interested in the study of literature, they might delve into that more and make their own implications and their own interpretations. But then on the surface level, you've got this simple message of God sees you and that's it. Does that make sense? And I just think it can be multifaceted, can't it? Um, 
Yeah. It can. And interestingly enough, um, coming back to what, what you said, Paul, can a sermon work for everybody? I think it can, but you 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 preach you preach a sermon, and and I've had this on multiple occasions. Then when people come and talk to you uh, about the sermon afterwards, people hear different things. Mm. You've you, you've said it. You've said the same words, obviously, because they're in. It's in real time, but people hear a different message or or they've interpreted it differently. And and for me, that will be dependent on where they are in their life and and what part of their spiritual journey they're on at at that moment in time. And that's how they'll they'll pick up a different nuance um, to to somebody else. And there's the role of the Holy Spirit in that as well, isn't there? The role of the Holy Spirit to take one message that the human has prepared and divide it. (laughs) in ways that we just can't even like imagine absolutely and and it's a it's a fantastic point emily and and a reminder actually that you know when for those of us who who preach on a regular basis when we stand there we, we we stand there in frailty and in our humanness with a reliance that the Holy Spirit will speak through us, even though sometimes we think that we're stumbling or stammering or it hasn't quite flown properly because um, because we've lost our place in our notes or, you know, but but actually, the, yeah, the Holy Spirit takes it and uses it. And if we offer it in, the, in that humble state, uh, then absolutely people will hear different things because of the working of the Holy Spirit. So we've been we've been talking about whether sermons work and what's the point. So on 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 that thought process, then it, as as the receiver, then if we could design the perfect sermon to meet people's needs, what do we think it might look like? Can I uh, jump off by not um, being as generous as meeting everyone's need, but just meeting mine? Is that is that... <laughs> um, so? Yeah, for me. If I was going to make a sermon all about me, which probably would be a bad start to all of this, but I'm going to run with it. Um, I I would, you know, I was talking to Emily about this. I would have uh, at the weekend, I would have the uh, church set up with a bunch of tables. Everyone sat around tables, maybe cups, of, well, definitely cups of tea everywhere, biscuits, maybe some cake, Claire. Uh, I was bringing cake into the equation, so I can take on board that tip. Um, and then it would be like, like a half hour slot maybe um, and it would be a bit of a talk some t- discussion around the tables a bit more of a talk discussion all that sort of thing and then everything's fed back and everything's interactive and um yeah lots of stories and all that sort of stuff and maybe a video in there yeah it's interesting you should say that actually Ed, because <laughs> that, that 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 for me would be brilliant but i recognize that for a lot of people that sit in yeah. our congregations that would be completely alien and if they if they knew it was going to happen they, they wouldn't even pitch up to church yeah. that's why i prefaced just, it yeah with this is for me absolutely. <laughs> it's really interesting because i am well up for the cake i'm well up for the tea but in a particularly 
introvert mood i'd be like if i can get in and out without talking to anyone that is where it's at <laughs> like <laughs> like go in listen to a sermon with um like jokes illustrations video clips and that side of stuff but and i happily sit around a table as long as i'm not got to sit next to someone. i'm really unsociable at the moment i um <laughs> but, okay? I, mean, I know i know and in terms of just be able to listen and to reflect in my own mind because i've very much I can walk away and then reflect on it but in the moment having to listen to something mm. to think about what I think and then to talk to someone about it I ain't got a chance but like I can come back a week later maybe and have a conversation about it once I've thought about it but not in the moment that's really interesting because I'm I'm very much like Ed in in a lot of things but specifically in in this scenario um the other thing I would add to Ed's is I, I liked the, um, like you said about the, the the sermon with the like, almost like a, it reminded me of a science experiment at the start with the balloon and the, um, and it took me back to, I, I don't know if anyone else relates to the, the excitement of having a practical day in a science, like yeah. science lesson and like being able to get out a Bunsen burner or something like that. I'm not suggesting we light open fires in church all the time, but um, I think having something like that, that sort of almost, something you can join in with or something that just catches your imagination, yeah. whether that is a video or something in person, just something to spark that. And then um, I am an external processor. Normally I would like to like have a chat about stuff. And I guess that is very much a me thing rather than a, an everyone thing, but um, to have a sermon where there's time to talk about things and get other people's ideas. I like the sound of that. I totally agree about the science experiments. I think every church needs a GCSE science teacher just on hand to provide uh, those sort of um, those sort of services to the church. Definitely. I think it's interesting just while I'm reflecting. So the three of us have agreed that actually that that format Ed, that you've given would would be, for want of a better word, the the perfect sermon. But in in the recognition that actually there is probably no such thing as a perfect sermon no. because people interact differently and people have different needs and different wants and mm. you know they, they don't necessarily want to even interact with it they just want to sit and be uh, spoken to and instructed on on how they should be and what they should do so yeah i don't think there's a, there's no such thing as a perfect sermon if you were going to take a congregation even a, even a small one but a large one in particular yeah you, you would never get a be able to design that perfect sermon. I'm in agreement that that would be my ideal. Would be you know, and that's my, that was my experience at uni was sat around it, having coffee and um, getting up to get cake in the middle of um, in the middle of things. And I loved that chance to stop and just discuss and reflect. Um, I, I I think now I'm at a slightly larger car who probably would feel less comfortable doing something like that that for me the middle ground is having the sermon um delivered but making sure that there are questions that are pondered throughout the middle and so that actually you give that question but you can just give space for it to sort of hang in the air before moving on and that for me is you know, if there, if there hasn't been a good question asked in the sermon where I can really kind of go away and think about that, then I feel a bit that I've missed out. Yeah, I think that 
that role of questioning and um, raising things that perhaps we won't all agree on uh, is a really risky thing to do in a sermon, but also I think really important. I, I was having a conversation with a friend recently who um, was saying that they just didn't feel like church was the place to bring questions that they, they were uncertain on. They didn't feel that that was the place that they could um, come and, and say, you know, I, I'm not sure I believe that. Because in their head, there was an expected set of beliefs. There was expected line that everyone had to toe in church. And I think that this, this thing of asking big questions and not necessarily providing a stock answer in, in preaching or, or providing an answer at all, perhaps, or just giving a perspective on it, um, is quite a destabilizing thing, but also, I think, quite a, a liberating thing as well. I don't know if that makes sense. It does, because you, you're prompting people to go into the realm of discovering faith for themselves, aren't you? Mm. And you're asking questions that are a little bit, like you said, destabilizing. You're asking that person to go away and seek truth for themselves. And I think that um, historically, maybe information in churches has just been presented to us without the need to do that. The church Mm. has been the center of education. That's where you get taught. That's where you receive and you go away and you don't question. But actually, perhaps that's also why many people have then fallen away from faith as we've moved more to through to this secular post-Christian era Mm. because people are realizing I've just been taught this and I was never allowed to question it and isn't that indoctrination um and and so now instead you're encouraging and urging people figure this out for yourself as Nick always says like you know, mm. he's a firm believer that you can take, what does he say, take the truth up the garden path or something, shake Give it, it a good kicking, I think is yeah, the... Yeah, <laughs> it'll stick. And I think that's what we want, is that we yeah. want Christians that are believers because they're exploring it and finding it for themselves. Mm. Yeah, no, I was just going to say that, uh, and Ed, you're, you're about to embark on this journey anyway, that when you go to college, and I'm sure Claire will bear me out on this one, you go to college and, and you basically deconstruct your faith so you have a deeper understanding of your belief in God. And I think the difficulties, and why I say that, Emily, is because I think sometimes people just have a whole, they have a, a reticence to, to dialogue in that because, because they don't want to break any of the foundation that they've had for such a long time. And we're talking about decades and decades of belief and so they don't want to answer, ask the question just in case that the answer is something that causes them then to question where they are on their journey do you think that maybe the um reluctance to unpack is more of the issue that we thought was maybe with preaching when we were discussing this we were thinking that we have an issue with preaching maybe being a bit closed off whereas actually maybe it's the the failing of the church to allow that unpacking to happen afterwards does that make sense? I feel like I've asked that in a roundabout way. I guess it's interesting because if we think about sermons and however present, however they're presented, whether they're really exciting or boring, actually, whether they're 10, 20 minutes, does that actually impact our faith, does it, our life? Because if it is, however funny something is, however much we're listening to it at the moment, if we're not going to unpack it and ponder it in whatever way works for us, then what is the point of it? 
like at the start we were thinking about what sermons have stuck with us or whatever and between us we've probably sat through many hours of sermons but has our life been influenced by them that's really interesting claire because i had a real challenge in fact two challenges really and one was from from an older guy who came to faith late on and would quite happily stand up in the middle of a sermon and ask a question and to see the congregation's face as if like collectively how dare you mm. but but actually that's what you want there's some real richness in that but but in the same congregation there was a younger guy who, who really came along because of his wife but his challenge was that actually he wasn't really bothered about the singing and stuff actually what he wanted to do was listen to the message so he could apply it in his own life and so it could speak into how he was and how he interacted with his colleagues and with his friends. Uh, and I think that's it, Claire. It's, it's, do, does the sermon make any difference to us? It's not, again, it's not, it's, not tell, it's not necessarily telling people how they should behave, but it's allowing them to, to think and interact with it and then understand for themselves on a personal basis, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think it, I, one of noticing my own um, blind spots in this topic, I guess, sometimes I think perhaps I'm, I'm so focused on wanting the conversation, the interaction that that can perhaps detract from allowing that space for drawing on this like this deep, deep well of wisdom and um and instruction but not just instruction and conversation and spirituality that we have in the christian faith and in the bible there's so much in there and there is so much that can be drawn out by good teaching and by good preaching um and i, I really liked emily kind of sharing that um that journey that the that society's gone on where we've gone from a people that are kind of taking on lots of information and being told a lot of things to a society that are, are kind of very critical thinkers and like are willing to ask questions why and i guess that journey you could say over the past 150 years i'm going to throw a number out there randomly i'm sure people will disagree on, on the timeline but um that you can look at that journey that uh, the church has gone on that society has gone on um and perhaps you could argue that preaching and the format we have of preaching hasn't made big changes alongside that journey to a new landscape so in in that in light of that do you think that we need to change our preconceived ideas because when we say preaching i think all of us in here would probably imagine the same thing um of you sit and you listen to someone for 20 minutes in in rows um like do you think that that sort of standardized preaching method that i know isn't used everywhere um needs to change for the new landscape that we find ourselves in i do think there's a need to to make it more interactive potentially or um or maybe just interactive in different ways because because of the way that cultures change the way that we are used to interacting with the world is completely different now um even if you just look at the amount of people who will spend an hour a day sifting through videos on tiktok or facebook yeah um, the attention span of the average person is a lot less than it was. Um, so, so in, in that term of the culture, even if the the method of delivery is the same, I think there is a need to to recognise that that difference in the culture of the world we live in now. 
I think as well for the for the very format we're on now has has changed how people interact. And so you listen, you know, you ask people how many people listen to podcasts. You know, they they've probably even moved on from from maybe TED talks stuff like that. But they've moved on to huge numbers of people and listen to podcasts now. And it's all about conversation and people engaging with each other. So, Paula, I, I agree with you. I think the, the format of, of a sermon or a preach has to, it has to be modified in some way to, to reflect more of how people um, interact with each other. Yeah, I think so. I think when I think about um, younger people especially, and if I consider what maybe the army generally did in response to moving church online digitally, it, it felt even harder to watch sermons that were the same length online mm. than it did in person. And so the question was like, how can we be expecting teenagers that watch five videos in the space of two minutes on TikTok or online or wherever? How can we be expecting them to sit and engage with that. And so we're definitely, I think, I think that in terms of whatever we're putting out digitally, that needs to be more consciously changed. And I also just think, you know, I've been thinking as we were speaking about many of us would consider ourselves fairly educated on the stories of the Bible, but there are still bits of the Bible that I need explaining to me that actually this is where Jesus is in this passage. Because there are some bits that I look at and I'm just like, I need somebody to help me unpack that. So I don't think we can discard that altogether. But I think that old, um, obviously working in schools, old storytelling techniques work really well. I often get a dressing up box and with children, just get them to come and act out and role play with me. Some of those stories that they otherwise wouldn't know. And so I think considering the specific audience and the context is is key isn't it Wayne sort of talked about it that there'll be some congregations whose worst nightmare it would be and we don't want to throw the bathwater out with the baby I think so knowing no was that the wrong analogy all the way around <laughs> the baby out with the bathwater. oh that doesn't well does it guys yeah. <laughs> that is that is brilliant given where you are at this moment in time anyway. that is, I just I think maybe we just need to bring Matthew in and give him a bit of a warning yeah gotta oh, protect brilliant. that precious bath water <laughs> I did warn you all that my uh, my brain was mush but yeah hopefully no ba babies will be harmed in <laughs> the making of my parenthood but yeah yeah, I think that's it, really. I think it's just considering, isn't it, audience, context, and, mm. and trying to be flexible uh, in the way that we communicate the gospel. Yeah, totally agree. And I think that is such an important point that probably stretches beyond just preaching. Uh, we've spoken a lot about um, having a church that is formed by its missional context rather than a copy-and-pasted church that comes from other contexts. Um, but actually, it's something that is really relevant, is really embedded in its community, and it reflects the people that surround it, I think is a really um, exciting thing. And that definitely applies to preaching, doesn't it? Because there will be places where, like you say, the the preaching style that um, I've just bemoaned <laughs> um, for a certain amount of time will work 
really well and will will be exactly what is needed there and there will be places where it's not um so yeah there i think we're, we're returning to that point of there's no one size fits all preaching model but um i'm totally with you emily on missionally formed contextually relevant church and preaching <laughs> and not throwing out the baby yes yeah yeah absolutely that's that's important to remember <laughs> Um, we've, we've ended again on a some sort of miracle grey area sort of um, finish, which feels like the right the place to, to end, doesn't it? Definitely. And yeah, we would really love to hear where you land on all of this. Um, what are the things that we've missed in our conversation or perhaps what are some of your experiences uh, you have around preaching? Um, are there certain sermons? Are there certain illustrations that really stuck with you? And uh, yeah, what would be your dream sermon what be your perfect sunday morning sermon experience we'd love to hear all of those things and if you'd like to share all of those things or some of those things uh please head to the ssom listener group on facebook and you can find that just by searching ssom listener group on facebook and it'll pop right up there so um yeah we look forward to hearing from you and we really thank you for listening to us chat today yeah until next time be well (laughs) 